we're in Romans chapter 12, and as I said, we're going to be looking at the uh, passage of Scripture that I believe uh, really illustrates what we're talking about when we're talking about serving God uh, purposefully. And uh, this is uh, one of those passages that I remember growing up and uh, as a young man uh, really thinking a lot about because I really didn't know what God wanted to do with my life. Uh, I had some ideas of my own. I wanted to go in the Coast Guard, and, and uh, that didn't work out, and I wanted to do some other things, and, and, and just trying to figure out, you know, what does God want me to do with my life? And then when I was in a junior in high school, I had a missions conference. I went forward and uh, just surrendered to his will for my future, although I didn't know what that was and had no idea where that would lead. And and um, but I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm yours. You know, I, I just want to do what you want me to do. And I really believe for every Christian, uh, that's a place that we need to come to, uh, that we just surrender to God, that we just offer him the, bl- the blank sheet of our life and say, you know, fill in the blanks. I'm yours. Lead me, guide me, direct me, use me however you want to use me. And I think it's it's really important uh, that these teenagers do that uh, before um, you know, the Bible remem- reminds us to remember our Creator in the days of our youth. And uh, by the way, you don't have to wait till you're a teenager to do that. You can do that even before you're a teenager when you understand uh, that God loves you and that God has a plan for your future and wants to use you for His glory. It's just say, God, I'm yours. I want you to use me. I want you to direct my life. I want you to guide my life. And uh, I believe that that is a a, uh, a prayer that God delights in answering. And um, and so I encourage you, if you haven't already done that, surrendered that aspect of your life to God, that you will, will do so. But uh, we've been talking a lot about that mission statement, and I do believe it's based on Scripture, although it is not Scripture in and of itself. It is based on Scripture. Uh, we're trying to make disciples who know God personally. We talked about that, that we want people to know what it means, number one, to be saved, to know God in a personal relationship of salvation, and then grow in their knowledge of him. And then uh, disciples who love God passionately, which is what we looked at last week, and the idea of loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. What does that look like? How is that reflected in our lives as we love others, as we uh, follow the Lord in in his directions for our life? And then today, talking about serving God purposefully I, I believe with all my heart that God has placed us here for such a time as this you hear people all the time saying I, I would never bring kids into this culture I would never bring kids into this this culture I'd never bring kids into this uh, this time of, of, of history but if God blesses you with children he did not do that by mistake and he did not do that by accident he created them for a purpose And he's placed them in this world for such a time as this. And he's placed you in this world for such a time as this. Just like he placed Esther uh, in her situation and her culture and and, and, in that that particular uh, uh, time of history. And just as he placed uh, uh, David uh, to to come and hear what Goliath had to say and and put him there for that such, such a time as that. And he's placed you and I in this world, 2022, Erie, Pennsylvania, He's allowed us to be here for such a time as this. And I think it's, it, 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 it's imperative that you and I find out, okay, God, you've placed me here. You've allowed me to be alive during this time. 
You've allowed me to be alive during this, this time in history. How do you want to use me like you used Esther and like you used David and like you used so many others? How do you want to use me? What do you want to do with my life? And uh, uh, I don't believe that we're here by accident. I do not believe we're here by coincidence. I believe that, that God has given us all, as, as believers, talents and gifts and treasures that he wants us to use uh, in uh, and for his glory and in his kingdom. And so, uh, as a local church, one of our responsibilities is to help you discover what those gifts are and to be an outlet for you to use those gifts for uh, His glory and, and to serve His body, the church, to reach a, uh, to reach a lost and dying world with the good news of Jesus Christ. And so, as we think about the passage that was read a moment ago, I think it, it begins with verse what verse 1 tells us, and that is that we are to present ourselves to Him. And so we are to be presenting ourselves to Him. Uh, notice verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, the King James says, which is your reasonable service. And so he begins this chapter by making an appeal to uh, his readers. And uh, it, this appeal carries with it the idea, that word appeal, or I beseech you, as the King James says, it's a strong encouragement in other words, Paul is saying, I am strongly encouraging you to present yourself, to present your body, to present your life to God as a what? As a living sacrifice. Now this appeal doesn't just come from the heart of Paul. He lets them know that he's asking them to do this in response to the mercy of God. One commentary said that Paul mentions the mercy of God ten times in the book of Romans before you ever get to chapter 12. And it's the mercy of God that, that caused God to send Christ to the cross to suffer the wrath of God that, that we deserve so that we could be recipients of God's grace and forgiveness and salvation. And so it's in response to this mercy that Paul says we present ourselves, our bodies, as this living sacrifice. When I think about the goodness of God that we just sang about, and when I think about the fact that God is the king of my heart, and I think about the fact that, that he has been good to me, and that he has been gracious to me, and he has been kind to me, what do I offer him in response to that? I offer him my body. and Say, God, my body is yours. My life is yours. My future is yours. My talents are yours. My treasure is yours. My time is yours. God, I'm offering myself as a sacrifice to you. We know from Scripture that as a believer, our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we are called in Romans 6 13, he says, Do not present your members at, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness we could spend the next hour just talking about that one verse he says do not present your bodies or your members the parts of your bodies to sin don't present them 
to the world. Don't present them to the flesh. Don't present them to the devil. But yield yourself or present yourself to God as someone who has been brought from death to life. That we have experienced the new birth. We have been resurrected from our old life. We have been resurrected from being spiritually dead. And so now we present ourselves to God. We present our bodies to God, our lives to God. And say, God, this is, I'm presenting this to you in appreciation of the fact that you have brought me life. That you have changed my life. And Paul says that this is our spiritual worship. Our bodies are our vehicles of expression. Our vehicles of expression. And so, uh, we are when we are called to offer our bodies, what are we calling to do? We're calling to offer God, God, I'm giving you my vehicle of expression. I'm ex- I, I want to I give you my body. I want you to take my body and use it as you will. I want you to take my body and use it for your glory. I want you to take my body and use it to reach souls for the kingdom. I want you to take my life. I want you to take my vehicle of expression that I might use it to express your glory to the world. The Bible says that we're the light of the world. He's, he's placed his light within us. He said, we don't light a lamp and then, and then put something over it to, to cover up that light. No, we set it on a candlestick so it can give light to all that are in the house. And when you were saved, when you were born again, God placed His Holy Spirit within you, the light, if you will, of the world. And He says, I want to use your body now as a candlestick to shed my light to a dark, dark world. So our bodies are our vehicle of expression and we are to offer our bodies as a sacrifice. God is not asking us to dedicate our money to Him or our gifts or our abilities. He's asking that we dedicate ourselves. And when we dedicate ourselves, everything else follows. One study Bible said that Paul is encouraging the believers to continually offer themselves. In other words, when when you saw on the screen a moment ago, presenting yourself, it's continuous action. It would be wonderful if we could go back and say, man, I presented my body to God when I was 12 years old. and I said, No, it's an everyday. Paul says, I die daily. And I know that may have been referenced to the fact that he was under persecution daily, but I think there's also an application that, that we have to surrender our will to God every day, sometimes moment by moment, because that the world, the flesh, and the devil doesn't take a break. It never takes a day off. It never goes on vacation. So we're constantly to be presenting our bodies to God as that living sacrifice. In light of the mercy that we have been shown, and as I said, Paul calls this our spiritual worship. Now, when you look at worship, especially in the Old Testament, but really throughout all of Scripture, but particularly in the Old Testament, you always see worship and sacrifice linked, right? In the Old Testament, they would have to come and make these sacrifices, and uh, the high priest would go to the Holy of Holies once a year, and they would offer this sacrifice, which would roll the sins forward another year until it was time to do it again, and on and on. But thankfully, we don't have to do that anymore, amen? Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, laid down His life once for all. The, the, the veil in that temple was torn in half, signifying that you and I now can come into the very presence of God through the person of Jesus Christ and the, and the sacrifice that He made for us. And so when we're thinking about worship in in that sense, we don't have to make animal sacrifices uh, to come into God's presence. 
But there's another sacrifice that we make. Hebrews talks about uh, the sacrifice of praise, right? And the idea here is that we don't sacrifice to enter into God's presence, but we're making sacrifices of praise and we're offering our bodies and we're offering our lives because we have been given the privilege to come into God's presence. He says, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you offer your bodies this way. In other words, we're doing it in response to the mercy that we've experienced. And uh, praise the Lord for that. One commentator said, what the apostle is saying is that in view of God's mercy, a voluntary and enthusiastic response of gratitude is required. So how do we apply this? I love what William Barclay says. He says, take your body, take all the tasks that you have to do every day, take the ordinary work of the shop and the office and the factory and the shipyard and offer all that as an act of worship to God. We might say, I'm going to church to worship God. But we should also be able to say, I'm going to the factory or the shop or the office or the school or the garage, the shipyard, the field, the garden to worship God. See, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, you do all to the glory of God. So that means I can wash dishes to the glory of God and I can change diapers to the glory of God and I, I can shovel snow for the glory of God. I can worship God no matter where I find myself, no matter what I find myself doing, I can worship Him and offer myself to Him as His uh, conduit through which He chooses to work in the world today. Let me encourage you parents that are still raising children, raise those children as an act of worship to the one who gave you those children. To the married couples, I say, love each other and serve each other well, remembering you're loving and serving the one whom was made in God's image. Tired friend, work not for your boss or for a paycheck, but use your work as an opportunity to worship the one who gave you the ability and strength to get out of bed every day and provide for your family. You see, you serve God purposefully by first of all presenting yourself to God. And in doing so, you're doing what verse 2 tells you also. He says, do not be conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I would say not only are we to be offering our bodies, but we are to also be offering our minds to God. What does that mean when we're offering our minds to God? There is a battle. Paul talks a little bit about this battle the beginning of verse 2 where he says, do not be conformed to this world. There's a battle in which the world is seeking to press us into its mold. Seeking to, to conform us to its mold. And Paul says, I don't want you to be conformed to the world. He says, rather I want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So there's a battle to be what some people call chameleon Christians. You know what a chameleon does, right? A chameleon uh, kind of adjusts itself to its surroundings to blend in. And it's, there's a temptation to want to blend in. 
And that temptation may be greater for the younger generation than it is for some of us who are getting older, but I want to tell you, it never goes, I don't think it ever goes away. God hasn't called us to blend in. God's called us to, to be people that surrender our bodies to Him and that surrender our minds to Him so that our minds might be transformed rather than being conformed to this world. We are to be mentally conformed to God's truth, which leads to transformation in the life of the believer, the Faith Life Study Bible says. And it's interesting that the Greek word transformed is where we get our English word metamorphosis from. You remember studying about that in school, metamorphosis? I, was, I loved studying about the caterpillar and the cocoon, and, and then after a while it would come out and it would be this beautiful butterfly. And God says that as, as, our, as we present our bodies to the Lord and as we allow the Word of God to transform our minds, there is a spiritual metamorphosis that takes place. And we're transformed. That's pretty cool. This is also in the present tense. And so the idea here is that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and we are to continue to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so it's not this attitude that hey you know i read through the bible once or i did my devotions yesterday or whatever no it's a continual thing that we're continually being transformed because how many of us know that the battle is a continuous battle the battle to be conformed to the world is a continuous battle so we need to be continually being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Continue to let yourselves be transformed or keep on being transformed. It's a continual process. It's not something that happens one day and is completed, but it's something that is to be a continual experience in the life of the believer. It'll be complete one day, but not on this earth. <laughs> when we step foot in heaven... It'll be complete, but until that day comes, it's not complete. So we are continually transformed by the continual renewing of our mind. And then another thing that's interesting that you see in the original language is that not only is it continuous action, but it's in the passive voice. Now, when something's in the passive voice, it means that we're not doing it ourselves. Someone is doing it to us as we surrender to it. In other words, he's saying... Be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. What happens? As you surrender to the Holy Spirit and as you surrender to the Word of God, as you read the Word of God and as you study the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is the one that does the transformation. You don't transform yourself. You trans, you're transformed by the Holy Spirit. As you are, intake the Word of God into your mind, you're giving the Holy Spirit the tools that he's going to use in your heart and in your mind to make that transformation happen, but he is the one that makes the transformation happen. It's a passive thing. Not passive in the sense that we don't care or passive in the sense that we don't do anything, but it's passive in the sense that we understand I can't transform myself. God is the one that transforms me. But he uses the tools of his word. He uses the tools of, of prayer. He uses the tools of, of, uh, of accountability. He uses the tools of fellowship. He uses all these different tools to bring the transformation to me that I need. 
Another thing that we find in the original language is that it's in the imperative mood. And that just simply means it's a command. In other words, it's not a suggestion. It's not a take it or leave it type thing. God says this is something that we really have to do. If we want to be all that God has for us, then it's really important that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so serving God purposefully begins with you and I presenting our bodies and our minds to God. We, have, we all have a sinful nature that we all struggle with, but as believers, if we're going to live in victory over this sinful nature, nature and over this gravitational pull to sin, then we're going to have to surrender our minds and our bodies to God so that He might transform us. And one of the areas that we need transformation in is mind transformation. To get rid of the stinking thinking. I think I heard Marie say the other day, she was talking about counseling, get rid of that stinking thinking that the world, the flesh, and the devil uh, is kind of that second nature that we have. And God says, I don't want you to be conformed to that. I want you to be transformed. So, I, I think this is one of the reasons that discipleship is so important. That when we do our D groups, start up our new D groups, the only curriculum that we have is the Word of God. That's our curriculum. And, and the discussion is about the Word of God. And we journal about the Word of God. A couple of Friday nights ago, person after person stood up and talked about how God used His Word over the last year to transform them. And you know what I thought was amazing? I don't know that I've ever seen this in my, I've been in ministry since 1996, so in however many years that is of ministry, I don't know that I've ever seen a 100% retention rate in anything that we've ever done. But every person that was a part of a D group last year has signed up to be a part of a D group next year plus more. I think that that speaks for itself that the Word of God is so important and so powerful and that God is using, and I've said many times, and I don't want anybody to misunderstand me, I understand there's different ways to do discipleship. I'm just saying th this is something that, I, that I, I've seen is working for us, and it's all based on the Word of God. And so I want to encourage you to offer your mind to the Word of God. Listen to God's Word. Memorize God's Word, read God's Word, journal about God's Word, ask questions about God's Word. And I think if you will do that with a sincere heart and, 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 a, and an attitude of God, I want you to transform me, I think that you will begin to see the Holy Spirit transforming your life. And if you can't be a part of a D group, you can still be a part of getting into the Word of God on your own and studying the Word of God and reading the Word of God and, 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 and texting people uh, that, that love the Lord and say, hey, I've, I read this passage today, I've got some questions, or can you pray with me about this? But, but make sure that you're not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the Bible says that as we do that, we can discern what is the will of God. People have, I've had people come to me, and I, I remember as a teenager going to my pastor and saying, I want to know God's will for my life. You know, we want God to write it in the sky. I want God to send me an email. I didn't have email back then, but you know, I wanted God to send me a, a direct message. I wanted God to write a note and, and, and put it in the mailbox. 
You know, this is what I want you to do. This is where I want you to go. This is how I want you to serve. This is what I want to, you know, and I wanted it, I wanted it all laid out for the next 50 years. God didn't work that way in my life and probably isn't working that way in your life either. But I think that if we will present ourselves to God and say, God, I'm yours, and then we will allow the Word of God and His Spirit to transform our mind and our thinking, that God will give us the light that we need for the next step of His will. I, I really believe that. Um, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so offering your body, offering your mind, and then finally, and I wish I, 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 wish I had more time to look at verses 3 through 5 uh, in, in greater detail, um, but I want us to, to go down to verse 6. And let's talk a little bit about presenting your gifts to God. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we're presenting our bodies to God, we're presenting our minds to God, and we're presenting our gifts to God. Now, we really probably should spend another entire message on spiritual gifts, um, and maybe we will do that down the road. But let me just summarize by saying this. Take, your, take the blessings that God's given you, and the interest that God's given you, and the passions that God's given you, and the tools that God's given you, and the talents that God's given you, and use those things for God's glory. And again, I think that is a... Um, that, that, that will flow out of the first two. When you present your body to God and you present your mind to God, I think that using what God's blessed you with for His glory will be a natural flow from that. But he says, use these things. And, and notice what he says uh, in verse 6. Having gifts that differ. That means we all don't have the same gifts. I mean, if we all had the same gift, there'd be a lot that would be lacking, right? I mean, if, if, if all of us, and, and uh, uh, there's another passage of Scripture that when talking about spiritual gifts, and, you know, he talks about what, if the whole body were hearing, you know, where would the smelling be? Or if the whole body were this, where would this be? No, God's just like our bodies, our physical bodies, right? We have different body parts, we have different systems, we have different uh, limbs, we have different organs. They all have a function, they all have a purpose. And just because you have a different gift than I have and I have a different gift than you have does not mean that my gift is more important or your gift is less important in the body. God makes no mistakes when he uh, uh, blesses us with different gifts. And so instead of of, of being frustrated that you don't have the gift that someone else has, just take what God's given you and use it for His glory. Because if God wanted you to have that gift, He would have given it to you. 
So use what He has given you for His glory rather than trying to be someone that God did not design you to be or do things that God did not design you to do. Just use what God gave you and what God designed you to do and what God designed you to be for His glory. And if all of us will do that, as a local body of Christ, if all of us will do that, I don't believe that there will be any lack in the body. So we have differing gifts. And he says, let us use them. Look at it again. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So in other words, these things have come from God. They're, they're, they are a, a part of God's graciousness to you. What do we do with them? Let us use them. Don't put them in a closet. Don't put them on a shelf. Don't hide them. He says use them. If you have a passion that can be used for the glory of God, then use it. If you have a gift that can be used for the glory of God, then use it. If you have an interest that can be used for the glory of God, then use it. I have a friend of mine in Ohio he absolutely loves to bass fish. And I don't believe that bass fishing is one of the spiritual gifts, but it is his passion. And I said, man, you can use that passion for the cause of Christ. You can invite some unsaved guy to go fishing with you, and then you get him out in the middle of a lake or in the middle of a river. You've got a captive audience to talk to him all day long about Jesus. Or you can take a young Christian that has an interest in bass fishing. And you can spend time with him on the boat, and you guys can talk about spiritual things. You can use that passion for the glory of God. That's just one illustration. What's your passion? Now, how can you use it for God's glory? How can you use it to minister to others? How can you use it to be a blessing to others? How can you use it in the body of Christ and in God's church? And so these blessings and interests and passions and tools and talents, let's use them for the glory of God. I love what Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As stewards, we talked a lot, about that a lot this, this, uh, this year so far, as stewards of God's varied grace. Remember, Paul said that the gifts that we have are, are a result of God's grace. And then Peter says that we're to take these gifts that we have received, and then we're to use these gifts to serve one another as stewards of the grace that God's blessed us with. You know what a steward is, right? A steward is someone who takes care of something that belongs to somebody else. See, the spirit, I'm talking about spiritual gifts now. I'm not just talking about passions and and, uh, and, and likes and interests. I'm talking about spiritual gifts. I'm talking about the things that, that you receive after you become a believer. And again, we don't have time to go into all that right now, but spiritual gifts. I'm talking about supernatural gifts that God has, has placed uh, in, in your heart, in your hands, in your mind. Um, he says we're to use those things to serve one another. John Whitmer said, a believer's consecration to God and his transformed lifestyle is demonstrated in his exercising his spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. And so, serve one another. Take these blessings and use them to serve 
one another. And he says in verse 4, he says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And so, serving God purposefully, I believe it starts, obviously it starts ultimately with knowing God personally, right? Can't really serve God purposefully until we know Him personally. We call on the name of Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, and then we get to know Him more personally as we grow and mature in our faith. And we develop that passionate love for God that we talked about last week. But then as a believer, as a Christian, Paul says that I need to surrender my body to God. And and there's always a call, right? There's always a call to surrender yourself to someone or something. The world's calling you to surrender to certain things. Your flesh is calling you to surrender to certain things. The devil's calling you to surrender to certain things. And God's calling you to surrender to certain things. And so he says, do not present your members as instruments of sin unto unrighteousness, but present your members. I'm paraphrasing here. Present your members as instruments to God. So you have a decision to make. Mom and dad, you have a decision to make. Young person, you have a decision to make. We all have a decision to make. Who are we going to surrender to? Who are we going to surrender to? I read a, uh, a quote this week. I thought it was so good. Matter of fact, my wife shared it with me when she was doing her devotions. And it was about how the devil whispers in our ear that we do what makes us happy today and never uh, something about... Uh, you know, gets us to forget about the consequences of tomorrow or something like that. And the wonderful thing about surrendering to God today is that we don't have to wonder about um, the, 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 the shame and the regret and all the other things that, that the devil would pour out on us if we surrender to him. We surrender to God. That's not to say that there won't be tough things that will happen as a result of surrendering to God, we know that we're in God's will and that we have God's grace and that God's going to help us through whatever we're facing. And so serving God purposely. Are you serving God in your local church? Are you serving God in your family? Are you serving God in your community? Are you serving God in your neighborhood? We need to surrender ourselves, our bodies to Christ. Say, God, I'm yours. Use me how you want to use me. Do with me, with me what you want to do with me. My body's yours. My mind's yours. I want to bring glory to you. Have you come to that place yet in your life? You may not have said those exact words, but, but you know that. But remember, it's a continual thing, right? God, yeah, I made a commitment, but I need to continue making that commitment. I need to continue walking with you, surrendering to you, yielding to you. God, help me to do that do you know God personally are you loving God passionately and are you serving God purposefully as we bow our heads and close our eyes